listening actively is probably one of the more exhausting things you can do as a human being, intellectually exhausting, physically exhausting, but it's absolutely essential in coaching that you actively listen to what's being said. You're listening to the Building a Coaching Culture podcast. If you need to compete and win in the 21st century labor market as an employer of choice, this podcast is for you. Each week, we share leadership development, coaching, and culture development insights from leading experts who are developing world-class cultures in their own organizations. And now, here's your host, J.R. Flatter. Hey, welcome back, everybody. J.R. Flatter here, and this is Building a Coaching Culture. And as always, I have my trusted co-host, Lucas, here. Everything going well with you? Yep. All right. So here we are. We're still working our way through the foundations, the fundamentals of coaching. I think we're right in the middle, just past the middle of the fundamentals. And although we've talked about the competencies a lot, this will be the first time we really focus on them. The eight core competencies, again, we align ourselves with the International Coaching Federation. And so we follow their eight core competencies and we'll talk about each of those. And uh, in the previous session, we talked about the arc of the relationship. And today we're going to talk about the arc of the session. And it's really relevant to the, to the competencies because the arc is directly relevant to where we at in the session. So with that, we'll jump ahead, do our little bit of mindfulness like we always do. I want to get you used to thinking about this. I want to get you used to practicing this outside of the classroom, in, in the classroom. This is the second deck in every deck we teach quite purposefully because we want you here. We want you present in the room. Got a million things going on. I'm going on a 30 plus day vacation tomorrow. I haven't packed at all, but I'm not thinking about any of that. <laughs> I'm in the room with you. 100% of my attention is here. But I know as a human being, I'm going to wander and I'm going to think about, oh, uh, going overseas. I need an adapter. I need warm clothes because it's going to be cold where we're going. And I'll pull myself back into the room. That's what a coaching mindset requires of us. It's what the core values and ethics require of us. It's what the eight competencies that we're going to talk about require of us. We'll give ourselves that grace knowing we're going to wander away, but pulling ourselves back. So with that, just take a couple deep breaths, relax your eyeballs for a few seconds. All right. Welcome back. The four domains and the eight competencies. We talk about these in their domains, but we also talk about them in their arc of the sessions, arc of the relationship, a little bit differently than the ICF does. Doesn't mean we disagree, just it's been our experience. When we group these together in practice, they're a little different than the four domains. The first two are foundation, and I'll put my dictionary professor hat on for a second. They're not foundational, which would mean the other six spring from these. They are the foundation, which means the other six stand on them. So these two are the foundation upon which coaching and the other six competencies stand. 
And if we remember back to our house of leadership standing on a foundation of courage, practice of coaching stands on the foundation of these two, demonstrating ethical practice and embodying a coaching mindset. And we'll dig into each of these in a few moments. The second domain is co-creating, and we are co-creating and maintaining or establishing and maintaining agreements. The beginning of every session and the arc of every session is competency three. Four is ongoing throughout the relationship, but all through, throughout each session, cultivating trust and safety. And number five, maintaining presence. And you would think five is so fundamental to coaching that it wouldn't need to be broken out as a separate competency. But we'll walk through that one and, and demonstrate why it is it, its own competency. Six and seven are in the domain of communication. Listening actively is one of the hardest things you'll do as a leader and a coach because we've been trained and instinctively we want to be problem solvers. And so for your entire professional life up to becoming a coach, starting your coaching journey, if someone came to you with a challenge, you were the answer person. And you would say, this is the answer. Well, we're going to ask you to listen and not be the answer person. Evoking awareness, not awareness of ourself or awareness of the competencies, but evoking new awareness. As Lucas says, connecting the dots. When we talked about the difference between mentoring and coaching a few sessions ago, it was who had the awareness. When you're mentoring, you have the findings, you have the conclusions, and you have the recommendations. As a coach, the leader that you're coaching, you evoke the findings, you evoke the conclusions, and you, re you evoke the recommendations. You help facilitate them. And then finally, we end in cultivates learning and a single competency in this domain. Ironically, it has the most sub-competencies, and we'll talk about each of those, but it's facilitating growth. If you think about the arc of the relationship as we just talked about, and now we're going to talk about the arc of a session, as a coach, when I'm in the silence of my coaching and I'm thinking about what's the next powerful thing I can do or say, I'm, one of the questions I'm asking myself is, will it facilitate growth? All right, so competency one and two in the foundation domain, competencies one and two are unique in that they are yes or no. All the other competencies, I assess whether you've sufficiently demonstrated or counter-demonstrated, and I mark the time that I assessed each instance. In the foundation, demonstrating ethical practice, and embodying a coaching mindset, it's either a yes or a no. You either did or didn't. And the ICF doesn't apply a lot more insight into more than what you read in, in here. There's that word familiarity. We talked about that when we talked about the continuum of learning. With regard to the ethics of coaching, be familiar with the code of ethics and its application. Demonstrate that coaching that's aligned with the, with the code of ethics and remain consistent in the role of a coach. 
And so I, as your assessor, if, I, if you're doing a performance evaluation for me, I'm looking for that and I'm saying, yes, you did or, or no, you didn't. And the same with embodying a coaching mindset. It gives us markers from four or five, six and seven to further describe what is a coaching mindset. But at the end of the day, it's up to the assessor, me or any other assessor, to say whether or not you did or did not embody a coaching mindset. But by the time you get through these fundamentals, and we're a little over halfway through them now, you're going to clearly know whether you're coaching or not. It's not yet instinctive. It will become instinctive over time. But you're going to know whether you are an open mind, whether you're curious and flexible and leader-centered, whether you're learning and growing yourself, whether you are being reflective in your coaching and what preparations you need before and after a session. Those things through your repetitions are going to become second nature to you. And those are all demonstrating a coaching mindset. And I, as the assessor, are going to say, yes, you did or no, you didn't. And I would say confidently, if you get a no in either of these, A, you never should have done the practice performance evaluation because as your mentor, I should know you're not ready. And B, you're not going to pass the session. You're going to get a failing mark in the performance evaluation. So these thing, these two are so foundation, such a part of the foundation of the entire practice of coaching, that if you get a no in either of these, it's a fail. It's just cut and dry. But I have a lot of autonomy as your assessor, as your mentor, to say whether or not you've demonstrated either of them. And quite candidly, as a mentor, by the time you get to your first practice performance evaluation, we do two practice and one final. I know, I have confidence that you're demonstrating both of these. I have confidence you're going to pass the session successfully, or I simply won't schedule it. And neither will your other mentors. We just met with our mentors yesterday, and we talked about that exact thing. It's not an absolute, but it's pretty strong. Co-creating the relationship, three, four, and five, establishing and maintaining agreements. You see a lot of repetition in the competencies, and one of those repetitions is mentioning of the who and the what. You'll see that first here, the who and the what in competency five. The who is the leader you're coaching, the what is the challenge that they brought into the room. We're always, always, always more interested in the who than we are in the what. How are you doing? What are you feeling? What's going on in your mind, your body, your spirit? But the what is what facilitates that discovery in the who. So uh, the what is relevant as well. But establishing and maintaining agreements, we did that in the very beginning where we signed that formal relationship. But also in every session, you reestablish and then you maintain throughout the session that agreement. And there are four markers here, and I think it's worth our time to talk about each of the four of them and mention that we should really slow down and lay this baseline because they're so distinct and so important. Partnering with the client to identify or reconfirm what they want to accomplish in the session. So you, you can and do revisit 3.1 again and again. 
then there are different ways to ask this. There are a multitude of ways to ask what's the best use of our time. We try not to bound it at all. I often hear coaches make the mistake of saying, what's your top priority of the day? Because I took, I put two boundaries in there already, top and today. So I bound for them already what the conversation can be about. I oftentimes just open up with, hey, what's going on? Or what's on your mind? And you heard me hesitate there because I hesitated. And this is what I'm talking about. Silence is my friend to not bound my example. 3.2 talks about how do we know we got there? You could call it measures of success, which is what the ICF does. But how do we know we accomplished our objectives? You know, you'll go back and forth and, until you're comfortable that you have sufficient information to move forward. 3.3 is really, really important because it talks implicitly about the who. What about this challenge is important to you as a human being? Couldn't be a more powerful coaching question. Entirely focused on the person and what about it that is important to them. And then 3.4, what are some obstacles that might be between us and success? And so part of my maturation as a coach in the last 12 months has been a stronger focus in my own coaching, but also in my coach education programs to slow down and focus more on three. Use the analogy, the uh, example of Einstein when asked if he had an hour to solve a problem. He said, I would take 55 minutes to define the problem and five minutes to solve it. Not quite the same ratio in a coaching session, but it certainly holds true that you should focus on competency three just a little bit longer than you think you need to. And you not only identify, but you confirm and or reconfirm. So did I hear that correctly? Is this the best use of our time in this session? And then and only then do you move on to four and five, cultivating trust and safety, maintaining presence, which for us in the arc of the relationship are grouped together, four, five, six, and seven. But acknowledging that you're not in the driver's seat, 4.1 is clearly telling me, I'm, I'm telling the leader you're in the driver's seat, your talents and insights are prevalent here. Support and empathy Absolutely. Supporting the client's expression of their feelings, their concerns, their beliefs, their suggestions. We talked about 4.3 when we talked about the house of leadership. And Lucas talked about this in one of his comments. It's their house, it's their session, and we're supporting them. And so if I could think of a single word for uh, competency four, it's supporting. Competency five, Acting in response to the whole person. This is the first time we see the who. Acting in response to the what, how they're describing the challenge and courses of action, what they're in control of, the what. And then we partner with them to choose the path of what happens in this session. Similar to 3.1, 2, 3, and 4, it's 5.3. Curiosity, I love the pause here on this word curiosity in 5.4. It's curiosity on behalf of the leader, not curiosity on our own behalf. Very important, nuanced difference. I'm coaching someone that I've been coaching for a year, 
and I know they're married, but I know they live in a different house in a different state than their wife. And I've never asked what's that all about because that curiosity that I have as a human being has never been relevant to the coaching topics that he's brought into the room. He's never talked about it other than in the, in the, in the relationship to buying and selling a house. So I could never convince myself that beyond my own curiosity, it was actually relevant and that I would be maintaining presence and curiosity on his behalf. Here's the first time we talk about silence, the coach allowing for silence, pause and reflection. Probably one of the more important things you do as a coach and one of the most powerful things you can do as a coach is just be quiet. Lucas and I learned an acronym this year, WAIT, W-A-I-T, why am I talking? Whether it's relevant to your leadership or your coaching, if you find yourself with a, a sore throat and a dry mouth, you've probably been talking way too much and you should probably ask yourself, why am I talking so much? especially in a coaching session. Moving on, domain six and seven, communication. Listening actively is probably one of the more exhausting things you can do as a human being, intellectually exhausting, physically exhausting, because it's not how you were taught to listen. It's not how you learn to listen, but it's absolutely essential in coaching that you actively listen to what's being said. And you're customizing your questions to what you're hearing. You're adapting. You're watching. And this is where we, talk, for the first time, talk about whispers. You're looking at the emotions, the body language, the words between the words, the connecting of disparate thoughts. That's what listening actively is all about. So again, one of the greatest strengths you can bring into a coaching session is to be quiet. One of our coaches in Ireland talks about, I have two ears and one mouth for a reason. I should listen twice as much as I talk. And then seven, love competency seven, it's talking about what new awareness am I helping my leader discover? And it goes back to the findings, inclusions, and recommendations that we've talked about on a few occasions. It's my leader's responsibility to make those discoveries. I'm facilitating them. One of the greatest joys we get as a coach is when they say, wow, what a great idea. And we remind them, that wasn't me, that was you. You see the who and the what again for the second time. So focusing on the who, the person, and the what, the challenge that they brought in. 7.5, I think, is especially important here. And this goes back to Luke's earlier comment. Sharing with no attachment, which some philosophers might say is impossible as a human being, to be absolutely objective. What you're hearing and seeing and learning, that's what the ICF means with no attachment. So it's their house, their experiences, their emotions, their expressions, and you supporting them, respecting them, adapting to them, without judgment, without influ influencing your next question or observation with your own house of leadership. And it's an impossible ideal, but that doesn't mean that it's not worthy of pursuit.
you're influenced by your lifetime of experiences, your education, your ethnicity, your gender, a multitude of other things. And so that asking you to completely step out of those, I know even saying them out loud is an impossible ideal. And then finally, cultivating, learning, single competency, but nine sub-competencies, facilitating client growth. We call this the beyond phase, and we're going to look at the arc in our last couple of minutes of this session. Exploring, so 3.1 becomes 8.1. So in 8.1, we're asking, how did we do on what we said we wanted to accomplish? So therefore, if you didn't ever establish 3.1, you don't have an 8.1 to close. Doesn't mean you failed the session and doesn't mean it was an unsuccessful coaching session. Because sometimes you don't clearly establish any part of three. Client's not ready. There's not enough trust and safety yet. Could be any number of things. They just had a fantastical event or a catastrophic event. And they just need to talk to somebody. So all of these are ideals. Across your coaching practice, you should see them regularly. Across each coaching relationship, you should see them maybe not all of them, depending on the length of the session or the relationship. Across each session, you're not going to see all nine of these. You're not even going to see all eight competencies. So that's not the ideal that we're asking for. What did you learn in this session? One of the most powerful and courageous questions and one that I always, always, always encourage you to ask. You'll find your own way to ask it. What do you know now that you didn't know 27 minutes ago? What did you discover in our conversation today? Any number of ways to ask 8.2, but I strongly, strongly encourage you to ask it. And they break it down into the who and the what. Instinctively, the leader is going to go to the what. And as a world-class coach, you're going to say, great, congratulations. Now, what about the who? You, you, what are you feeling? What's going through your mind? as we wind down this session. And I've told you I'm a very explicit coach. So as we go through this arc, I'm talking about the beginning, the middle, and the end, which are going to be the next slide that I show you. One that I'm the most uncomfortable with, and I'm still trying to find a way to ask it comfortably, is this a good place to stop? Uh, the clock is never our friend. In a coaching relationship, we're usually bounded by our calendar in some way. So the clock usually answers this for us. You might have a fantastical discovery and it's time to celebrate and go home after 20 minutes and you had an hour blocked. Or you, they could come into the session in a lack of energy and their mind is somewhere else and you, you can see that they're just not present. You, you've tried a couple of different approaches and still you could suggest as a coach at any time, hey, let's reschedule this. I can see that your, your mind's elsewhere. You could have an amazing discovery. They could come in. I have to be careful here. I was going to give you an example, but I probably would have given away some confidentiality. But someone came into a session with this magnificent discovery that they had had since our last session. And two minutes into the session, I congratulated the person. And I said, you need to go celebrate. Let's reschedule this session. And thanks for sharing. But you'll decide as a coach, how to ask that question and when to ask that question. 
So in our last few minutes together in this session, uh, let's just look at the ARC and how we group them together and how we teach them. Hopefully the ICF won't be too disappointed that we've kind of grouped them a little differently. Because as I look at the arc of a session, and as our coaches and mentors contribute to the growth of our practice, we see it broken down into the beginning, the heart, and beyond. The beginning is all about competency three and clearly identifying all four markers and taking time as much as a third of the session, maybe even more, to clearly define what is the best use of our time today? How are we going to know when we get there? What is important about this to you as a human being? And what might be some obstacles between us and success? And to borrow a phrase from Michael Begay Stanier, stay in three a little more than you're comfortable. I think he says, stay curious a little longer than you're comfortable. For me, I would add Stay focused on three dot one, two, three, and four a little longer than you're comfortable. The heart of the session, the same as the heart of the relationship. And I ask myself, I keep this in front of me when I'm coaching. Am I clearly established competency three? And if I haven't, am I not going to? And it's just better to move on. And if I have, when I'm going through the session, am I supporting my leader in their house of leadership? Am I adapting my coaching to what I'm hearing? Am I responding to what I'm learning and they're learning? And am I creating new awareness? That's competencies four, five, six, and seven. And then finally, beyond the session, which is largely competency eight. Again, this isn't meant to be linear. The session could and will wind back and forth. How did I do? How did we do? That's 8.1. What actions are you going to take based on this session? How are you going to hold yourself accountable? We as a coach are a, an accountability option. We should never force ourselves onto our leaders as an accountability choice. Hey, I'm your coach. I can help you be accountable. That's a little stronger than I would be comfortable with. You know, one of my roles as a coach can be to help you stay accountable, depending on where you're at with trust and safety in the relationship is whether I would even make that statement. Early on, I know the answer is going to be yes, because I'm largely still in charge, even though I've told them you're in the driver's seat. Celebration, there's a huge difference between celebrating and affirming. I love celebrating discoveries with uh, leaders that I coach. But I will never affirm that it was the right decision. So someone may discover that they want to change jobs. And I'll celebrate that discovery with them. I won't say something like, man, I've been waiting for months for you to say that. That's just a little bit too far. And then ending. Does this look like a good place to stop? Yeah, I mean, I think if we're talking about like the arc of the session versus like the whole relationship like we went over earlier, it's a little difficult sometimes to make sure that you have their goals for a particular session. And like you said, you sometimes want to pull in goals from the previous session if it's not the first one. But yeah, I would say sometimes if you're further into the arc and three wasn't firmly established, I would almost 
tend to go back and and try to get some of that because I find personally that I can if I don't have that structure it can kind of meander and become less you know less effective because <laughs> less professional in a way yeah I would say early especially early in a relationship it's okay to let them meander if they've had a fantastical discovery or a catastrophic event absolutely be there to listen but across the arc of the relationship you have an obligation to clearly establish objectives clearly establish measures of effect of, uh, of uh, success clearly establish what about this basket of challenges is important to you as a human being and what are some of the obstacles that remain uh, between you and that objective all right my friend we'll see you soon all right well that concludes this episode of building a coaching culture i truly hope that this episode was helpful to you if it was be sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts maybe stop and give us a rating or a review and share this podcast with someone who might find it helpful as well thanks again and we'll see you next time